This is Pre-Market Prep. Good morning, everybody. Happy, uh, what's today, Thursday? Yeah, it's Thursday. It's Christmas Eve Eve. It's a Christmas Eve Eve edition of uh, Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, producer Enver with you backstage. It, it's it's going to be a light, casual day. I'm I'm doing my best, Dennis impression. I'm wearing almost pajamas. So uh, we're going to have a light day. We're going to talk about some movers. we got some news. JD is moving. The casinos are moving. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what happened in Chipotle last night. We might talk about Tesla back over 1000 bucks. We have two guests on today, Mark Shaken and Peter Tuckman. They'll join us at 8.15 and 9 o'clock, respectively. We will take questions from our chat. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Chat, I see you. Hope you all had a great rest of your day yesterday. I missed you guys. Let's start today's show. This is Pre-Market Prep with... Joel Conan, Dennis Dick, and Spencer Israel. I've got Dennis here with me. Dennis, did you like the snow? The snow coming down? Yeah. Yeah? All that. Nice little, and I see you got the hat there. Festive. Yep. Getting ready. The kids are pumped up. The boy said to me, it's Christmas tomorrow. I was like, not quite. Christmas Eve tomorrow. So. Feels like it should be Christmas tomorrow because this is our last show. Just the way that Christmas fell, it's it's weird. The name, so we are closed tomorrow. I can't remember the last time we were actually closed on Christmas Eve. That feels like that's been a while ago. But they're doing that because obviously Christmas falls on a Saturday, but, and then and then New Year's falls on a Saturday. But we're open on Friday. I think it's the first time in eleven years that the stock market is open on New Year's Eve, like for a full day. Yeah, well, New Year's Eve, always Christmas was a half day. Christmas Eve was a half day. So New okay. Year's Eve was always a full day. If, right. it was open, if it was open on New Year's Eve, it was a right. full day. All right. But Christmas Eve was always a half day, closing that one. But the whole day off. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself tomorrow. Most I... of my Christmas shopping is done, I think. I hope. My wife did most of it. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it turns out uh, all the hullabaloo that I was making a few months ago, like, oh, buy your presents in September. Turns out that they ended up not being a big problem because I, I didn't really hear of anyone that was having problems. And I, I saw some stories that um, Christmas shopping has gone OK in terms of delivery times. and I all so. I hope everyone got your, your shopping done by now because, you know, a little, little bit late. But um, yeah. And if we're talking Christmas presents, I mean, this is a good segue into Tencent, I guess. So they're giving Christmas presents to their shareholders. And tell us about this, Spencer, because JD shareholders not liking the presents. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know that you could do this. So uh, obviously, you know, companies that have uh, excess cash or whatever they want to reward their shareholders. And one of the ways they can do that is with a dividend. And we know that usually dividends are just cash payouts, right? You end up um, or, or, or you can get them in, in shares of the company, or you get them in cash, or you get them in shares of whatever the company is. What Tencent is doing is they're saying, hey, we're going to give you guys uh, almost all of the, of the shares of JD.com that we own as Tencent. We're just going to give them to you. So uh, we always say that there's only three, three true outcomes, right? Buy, sell, or hold. There's actually four outcomes. Buy, sell, hold, or give away your stocks for free because that's what Tencent's doing. They're giving away their JD.com shares to 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 their to Tencent shareholders. So what's going to happen here is right now, Tencent has a, around a 17% stake in JD.com. Uh, after this dividend's paid out, it's a special dividend, the, their their stake in the company will will go down to 
2%. So from 17% to 2%, they're giving away about $16.5 billion worth of JD.com shares. Um, And so if you're JD.com, if I can pull up that chart this morning, um, Mm -hmm. they're not liking this headline. I'll be honest. I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know you. I didn't know this was a thing you could do. I didn't know you could give away stocks. In, I you guess, do what you want. You do what so you want. They spend, it's basically spinning it off. They're basically spinning off their shares yeah. to their shareholders. Their their JD shares. Yeah. So you know, it's a nice way to say we're giving it away. It's basically spinning it off, and they don't like that because all of a sudden these JD shares, which were held by Tencent, um, now will go into the public hands, and they're anticipating that the public, their shareholders, will likely sell them. So that is why you're seeing JD get hit hard here this morning, right on this headline, which broke around seven o'clock last night. Stock down five dollars and thirty-four cents now in the pre-markets, down seven percent. It uh, not too far away from the December twentieth low, which was sixty-seven dollars and sixteen cents. That's the low it absolutely needs to hold. I think in this case, if you're looking like to get some more risk on your portfolio, and I'm not a big fan of buying. Uh, China stocks have said that already, but JD seems to be you know one that's been liked for a long time. Um, I think you, I think this dip could get bought. So I don't know if you want to be early on it, but sixty-seven sixteen seems like a nice level. Yeah, but it's not it's like it's not even a spinoff because they're not selling; they're just giving it away. So like, what does that say about their feelings about JD.com? They're just going to give away their stake for free but they're giving it to their shareholders so their shareholders so you can say it's free but their shareholders own the company so they're basically yeah. you know yeah. what i mean it's not like they're oh the shareholders are still getting it so it's not like tens and shareholders are all like what do you mean you're giving away our shares they're giving them away to those same shareholders so i suppose, I yeah. suppose. so it's not like they're actually out the money the shareholders themselves aren't giving out the money but you know they're just they want to be tens anyway. they don't want to be what else do they own so okay, so for those, they do this in other stocks. For those who are interested, I'm putting the link to the announcement in the chat. I just did it. Uh, if you want to read more uh, about what the what this means, they they, they didn't give a reason. Uh, if if you're wondering uh, why, um, we don't know why. They just because is 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 the answer. Um, what does Tencent own? That's the problem, right? Is Tencent owns everything. They own basically. They have stakes in every major or almost every major video game publisher on earth u.s companies or not right they own um you know they have small pieces in activision small pieces in i think they got some take two as well uh they've got um they own all epic games right but as far as public companies um they kind of have their teeth in every major chinese social media and music and video technology platform right they kind of have their teeth in all of them so if you go across the board and you, you can look at uh, WB, right, uh, which is uh, Weibo, you can look at um, uh, YY, for example. Let me pull up on the, on the chart here, right? So you can WB, right? Those stocks are all down slightly here, too. You, you, you can do YY. Yeah. You, you can do um, how's Huya trading? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's so down slightly, too. Yeah. So basically, all down a bit. Well, HUI has been going down, I feel like, forever. So what, what I would do, and I'm going to do this right now, and I'm, I'm going to go look at the holdings in KWeb, um, and I'm going to see, and I'm going to operate under the assumption that uh, Tencent has their teeth 
in a lot of these games. And, but even if they don't, frankly, they don't have to because a lot of these games are going to trade down in sympathy. So uh, what do we have here? Top 10 holdings. Uh, uh, a lot of them are held in China, too. How is, B- is B-E-K-E down? Let's see. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're all down. They're all they're all going to be not like JD, but maybe there's anticipation that more of this could happen. How how's uh how's Tcom Trip.com? Yeah, yeah. Uh no, it's actually not down. It's one of the few that is not down. So yeah, all these names are going to trade down in sympathy today with, with yeah. this with this headline. And I frankly, yeah, someone said it in chat and echoing Dennis, they can do whatever they want, right? It's it's their They're own giving account. it to their shareholders, though. So I don't necessarily just think of them as giving it away. Like if you, it'd be upsetting if they're like donating it to some other, you know, they're not to their shareholders, and that would be like money lost to the shareholders. Here, so but it's just basically like giving it back. So the shareholders own shares of Tencent, which owns shares of JD, and JD just giving those shares back to the shareholders. So it's still you know, the the, right. the underlying thing is the shareholders still own the shares. They're just going to own them direct. They're Net not going to own them through Tencent anymore. NTES trading down. PDD, Pinduo Duo trading down. That's actually what's trading down. The biggest reason, though, that this is trading down is because those shares, which have been, ha- ha- been t- held tightly by Tencent, yep. all of a sudden will come into the public market, into their shareholders. And in all likelihood, those shareholders might be like, well, I didn't want JD. I want Tencent. They're going to yeah. sell them. Yep. And that's why the anticipation, the Arabs are ahead of it, anticipating that there will be a significant seller coming into the stock once yep. those shares are actually distributed. All right. So that is why you're seeing it down. Billy, I'm Billy. saying, should it be down, you know, like 6 7 8%? I don't know. It's hard to put monetary numbers, especially when you're talking a Chinese stock. But from a technical perspective, JD was actually showing some life two days ago. So I like it when they start showing some life and then you get some, you know, it's something like that. It's not necessarily like just distributing these shares and that brings it right back down to the original support. So I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to jump in there just probably because Chinese name. But um, if I was just trading it from, you know, the strength the last couple of days, I'd say weakness is maybe to be bought leaning on that low of the move, which is 67.16. Right. So you've already got a low from this morning that we're, that we're already a buck off, right? Uh, we, we've, we've been going up for the past couple hours. Yeah. So, and how low did we get? Do we know what that low is? Yeah, sixty. What is that? Sixty-seven. Uh, sixty-six. Sorry, sixty-six thirty-eight. Pretty close. Pretty yeah. close. You know, to that sixty-seven sixteen. So you can see where they bring support in. I mean, the technical, the levels work. You know, the Joel O'Connor level method, where you're just looking at old lows, old highs. Where could the stock potentially bounce? Kind of bounced right where you thought it should. So that's good news so far. Do the selling waves just come in and continue to knock it down? Well, we find that out after the open. But I'll say innocent until proven guilty on this. Let's see if that support holds. Yep. Uh, just to run through a couple more names here. Uh, Billy Billy, B-I-L-I, probably trade down in sympathy. Uh, yes. And then you've got a couple more. Willie okay. Billy. You've got – hold on. I, I had the list. Oh, wow. Billy's come down that far, eh? I haven't looked at that stock for a while. Yeah, forty-five bucks. This was a hundred and fifty-seven dollars back in the tech bubble burst of February nineteenth, which we're calling it now. That was the <laughs> great tech bubble burst when all these stocks, obviously, um, you know, made their highs and they've been down all year. Holy mackerel! So this actually sets up BILI. We were talking about stocks potentially for the January effect. This one sets up quite well too. Um, and again, Chinese names. I've been, I haven't been, you know, too excited about them for obvious reasons. But 
I mean, if you think, you know, there's there's definitely probably some tax loss selling going on here. And I would not be surprised if the stock shows strength in early January. So I don't know when you want to time it. You know, you got five, six days before January starts. Six days if you include today. But, you know, a dip here, 4321 is the low. I don't mind these stocks on the dip. I'm going to say it. I don't mind buying the dip here. Last one was IQ uh, that I wanted to bring to your attention. Where's that? Poor box. Oh, some of these stocks have just been crushed. Hey, out of curiosity, I remember when these things all spiked. Yeah, remember the summer of 18? Remember June of 18? Yeah. Remember when every one of these things was was the hottest thing since? There was three that I paired together. Yeah. B-I-L-I, IQ, and H-U-Y-A. And they all tracked each other nicely. And they were great fair trades for a bet. Yeah. But man, then Billy became the leader, and the other two were forgotten. So now Billy's come off so far as well. It's obviously still way higher than the other ones, but they they obviously separate themselves. But they were all the you know online like social gaming platforms, right? All similar. Yeah, yeah. B i l i h u i i q. So, but obviously those pairs all broke down now. So B i l i has been the, the clear leader of that group. But man, it's come off too. Right, which brings us back to the question. I mean, you know, we've we've we had some dips. We've had some, you know, a, a few on some of the growth names. Even even yesterday when we were rallying on, it seemed like everything, you know, getting yeah. back up. We're right back up to the highs. There has been it's been some separation. So there is, you know, some opportunities here on some different names, and there's been some laggards too. I'm starting. Gonna, I'm just going to start accumulating some dog positions just for the look ahead and you know again next week will be when i'm starting to really accumulate some of these just for the look ahead that hey maybe the tax loss selling is going to slow down it's obviously going to stop eventually at the end of next week and maybe we get a relief pop in some of these beaten down names in january so i think you could be a little early yet i don't want to be too early on the trade because there maybe there's another wave of tax loss selling coming at you yet but I think January could be okay for some of these stocks, at least early January. That's what seasonality would say. I'd be curious to get Mark Chaikin's thoughts on this. Let's bring Let's Mark do it. So he is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. He's the creator of Chaikin Money Flow, among many other uh, tried and tried and true uh, indicators. I think I said that right. The Chaikin Power Gauge as well. Mark, good morning. How are we doing today? Good morning. Good, good pre-Christmas uh, morning to you. So what is your take on the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, here we are, 1% off of all-time highs in the SPY, 3% off all-time highs in the Qs. The Russell, we know, is kind of its own beast right now. But um, things are looking up. Things are good. I think that um, the trends out of uh, South Africa, out of New South Wales and Australia indicate that uh, the virus there, the new strain, is peaking. And the market's picking up on that. Uh, there's a uh, some interesting scientific studies that show that it clearly is less virulent. It's going to crowd out the Delta variant. Uh, hospitalizations are not going up the way they were expected to. And now you've got the new Pfizer pill. So I think the market likes uh, that scenario. And now we're back to focusing on what? Inflation, interest rates. Um, the one one thing I'll add to the mix is I don't think it's a given that the Fed raises rates in April. We know the tapering is going to end by the end of March, yeah. which means sort of zero stimulus, particularly with 
build back better now on the shelf. So I think the big question the market is going to deal with is, are we really going to have higher rates? And if you look at the 10-year, you don't see it. So if we don't have higher rates, then growth forecasts can accelerate, and particularly in the tech sector. So I like the tech sector here. I'm going to take Dennis's fallen angel and sort of transpose it on the tech sector. Look at what's come down, like NVIDIA, and held support. And I think this, you know, from an investment point of view, longer term point of view, that's what you want. Uh, You don't want in the tech sector, the really broken angels, which typically translates to cloud stocks with no earnings or uh, hype stocks. But you want these solid companies that are going to lead growth over the next three to five years. And I think NVIDIA is now universally, and that scares me a little, but it's universally regarded as a growth stock for the for the next five years. I mean, it's in everything. I mean, in Metaver, it's, it seems like NVIDIA is just like if you say something that's getting hot, it's like NVIDIA is right in the middle of it. Yep. I mean, it, it's hard to bet against this company that has positioned themselves so incredibly well. And I mean, we know this market likes the, the big names. It likes the winners. The winners seem to just continue to win. Um, it's been that market for a long, long time. And so you get a pullback on NVIDIA of like basically, you know, 15% from the highs, 16% from the highs. It's usually a buying opportunity. I agree. And another stock we've talked about that I'd like to look at is Fortinet. So in a period like this, where we've had a very steep decline, a lot of negative headlines, I look to see which of my favorite stocks get back ahead of the market toward their highs and look at Fortinet. Yeah, Uh, Cybersecurity, I think cybersecurity is a five-year play as well. You just have to find the right names, whether it's Palo Alto Networks. But to me, Fortinet is a stock you want to own long-term. You got to buy it on a dip. We had the dip. Uh, So we look for a few pullbacks here, but this is what I'm looking at in addition to some special situations that we've also talked about. So what's your view on a stock like Fortinet, Dennis? I mean, its relative strength is incredible here. You had the early sell-off in early December. It took basically no time to get it back. And we look and we're approaching all-time highs. So you're right, this is leading. You know, here, you know, we've got a market that wants to be led and this is one of your leaders. And I mean, if you look at the long-term chart on this thing, it's been straight up for a long time. So it's hard to fight momentum. I mean, we, this stock started its March really back in 2017. It was yeah. a $35 stock. So you're talking about a stock that's up 1,000% in the last four years. You could say maybe it's gone too far. You could argue that. But, you know, I know fighting this tape and fighting that strength has been a losing game for a long time. Those long-term momentum leaders continue to lead. And you're right. You know, when you're looking for who's going to lead us in 2022, Well, look who's leading us at the end of 2021. It's not a bad place to start. I agree. That's always worked for me. Uh, One stock that I mentioned, I think last week, a a few eyebrows were raised, was Live Nation. So uh, two weeks ago. So let's look back at LYV. Um, This is a reopening stock. This is maybe one of the great reopening. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is what it did on Thursday, Friday and Monday it basically stopped going down. If you zero in on some near-term price action, Um, the market was uh, spooked by the options expiration and a lot of dealer hedges coming off. And I was watching Live Nation expecting it to go back down and crack below, but it didn't. It just 
stayed flat and now look what it's done in the rally of the last two days so the two days incredible move here and if you watch the media uh, you see that there's an amazing capacity for people to somewhat ignore the risks of the omicron variant that people have basically said i'm tired i want to go to shows i want to be out with friends yeah. i know i'm going to get it so I don't. Th I think Live Nation is over that uh, reopening uh, growth tug of war, and uh, I love the stock as a reopening play. Yeah, I think you want to wait for a pullback now. You seventeen percent move in three days. Maybe you want to wait a little bit. You know, instead of chasing, in my opinion. But again, this is if you're looking at reopening stocks, this is going to be one of the leaders in that as well. So, but you know, what about the reopening trade? I think you know on pullbacks, I think you are buying those stocks. Because I think to your point, it doesn't appear that many people are, are you know, dying from this, which is a good thing. And I think you're right. People are exhausted of it. I mean, I've changed too. You know, I was, when this first started, I was locking down because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But now I look and I'm like, well, not, the majority of people, you know, aren't really even getting sick from this thing. Why are we scared of it? That's what, how I'm looking. I, at I, it. I saw an interesting take on Twitter and uh, it was an interesting way of looking at this is, in a way, you could say that the Omicron variant could almost be considered like a, a best case scenario where everybody gets sick. Very, I'm sorry, everybody gets it. Very few people get seriously sick. And then we all get immunity and then we, we just move on, right? Everyone gets it. We know that very few people actually get sick or die. Isn't that, isn't that good? What we want. So we yeah, want. It's, it's very good. Two weeks ago, I quoted Marco Kalanovic from JP Morgan, who's really been on top of COVID for the last two years. It's not his day job, but he does a good job of analyzing statistics. And he, he espoused the theory that you just um, identified, Spencer, yeah. that it would crowd out the other variants, create herd immunity, and maybe you know it becomes like the seasonal flu and we get on with our lives. Uh, that would be that would be ideal. What we want, we want to get back to normal because I'm people sick of this. do. I'm and sick so, of this not going out and doing anything too. So, so right. do you think you come and you start buying the cruise lines now if we think that's happening, or is it you know obviously they've had a three day rally. Maybe I wait for a little pullback, but is is it safe to dip your toe in the water in the airlines and the cruise lines and the casinos, uh, which obviously are very much reopening plays? I'd say in terms of the airlines, no, because they've got the headwind of higher fuel costs. So they're, they're hit with a double whammy here. They're hit with, you know, potential COVID uh, issues and they've got rising costs. So our power gauge rating is bearish on all the airlines. Cruise lines, I don't really have a feel for. I, uh, we talk to friends who go on, have been on cruises and nobody's booking right now. There are, people are afraid of cancellations. They're afraid of not being able to get into a foreign country without, if they test positive two to, you know, 72 hours before. Yeah. So it's right now, it, it's the convenience factor or the inconvenience factor that I think is a potential hit on the cruise lines. You can't argue with the way it's trading. Uh, well, uh, Mark, there are some questions for you in the chat. Somebody asked for your take on Doximity, D-O-C-S. Yeah, this has been a major disappointment for me. Uh, I believe this is the future of telemedicine. They actually make money, whereas the teledocs does not. Uh, there's been a lot of insider selling as the lockup period expired uh, over various tranches. Uh, and so management's been selling. Uh, I own this 
personally, and I've added to it, but um, it's been a big disappointment. Uh, long term, when you listen to management, these guys know what they're doing. They're getting ad revenues in addition to telehealth subscription revenues. 80% of the doctors in America are on this platform. It's sort of the combination between Facebook and LinkedIn for doctors. And the doctors that I talk to up here in Connecticut think extremely highly of the company. So I, I, I'm violating one of my core principles. I'm staying on a long-term basis with a stock that's in a downtrend. For whatever, it's, for whatever it's worth, when I had COVID two months ago, this is what I used, and I was impressed with the platform. I know that's worth nothing, but my, no, own, that, my own experience with it was positive. This Peter, stock has the potential for the January effect, too, where you yes. start to get that, you know, the, the relief rally after the tax loss selling is over. People are like, okay, I'm going to dip my toe back in the water here. This, obviously, going to have a lot of tax loss selling. That's happened probably already in this. So I look at this as potential to get a lift in early January. Yeah, talking about um, tax law selling, two weeks ago, as we were speaking, a stock that I had recommended in my small cap newsletter, Technoglass, got hit with a, yeah. uh, a short attack. That has proven to be a complete fraud. The company's not a fraud. The short attack was a fraud. And the company uh, bottomed out and opened sharply lower on Thursday. What's the symbol on that one? TGLS. We, we talked about this. Um, this is, a, and the SEC is investigating the, the short people. What's the name of that? Hindenburg. Yeah, it was Hindenburg. Uh, and the company, I just, in case anybody's followed us on this, the, the company has hired an outside law firm to parse through all the allegations in the lawsuit. It's a, it's a, serious law firm. It's not a rinky-dink law firm. And the board authorized that. So if you've got something to hide, and clearly you're doing business in Colombia based there. It's the only NASDAQ company, I think, that's based in Colombia. There's going to be some drug uh, ex-cartel people uh, around. But this is a, a premier company providing architectural glass for big office buildings and now getting into the home building market. But it shows you the volatility and the impact of just one yep. firm that shorted it ahead of it. I mean, this is a crime because the public barreled in and shorted it down at 18 and 20. Yeah, or sold, and or sold look where they are now. Well, and, yeah. and there's a reason that these firms like don't pick on like Amazon or Citigroup. Or these well, they want to be able to influence the price. Right. Right, so so Technoglass trades on average what three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand uh, shares a day. Yeah, so right. a headline like this, you know, a report like this, is really going to knock it down. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that, that's the question, and you know, we've asked this question on this show, you know, since we started the show seven years ago. I mean, Citron was one of the first to pioneer this. I very much respect Andrew Left, and a lot of the differences with Citron is a lot of his short calls actually ended up really, really. The companies were really struggling, like, and he actually did point out some stuff. But the question is, should you be allowed to come in when you're that influential to come in, short a whole bunch of stock, and then write a report on it, and then knowing the stock's going to tank, should you be allowed to cover your short into that the very next day? Or should you, you know, if you're issuing, you know, influential a report that's knocking the stock down 50, 60%. Should they be held to say you can't cover for like 90 days or something? You know, like I, I wonder if that's what the regulators should look at. It's hard to say that they're not entitled to their opinion. 
everybody's entitled to their opinion. But if your opinion is the catalyst for knocking it down and then you're buying it into your bearish opinion, that's where I think the regulators should look. I agree with you. And uh, what they're also looking at is did Hindenburg tip off some hedge funds who shorted it as well? And that's brutal. If you like, you got a, a report that with your opinion that you know is going to move the stock, and you're telling all your buddies before you issue the report. And we don't know if that's going to happen, but they're looking into that. But if that is happening, I mean, they're going to argue that it's not inside information because it's only an opinion piece. But should that influential opinion piece be considered inside information in the future? I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, uh, if it's going to be moving it that much, it's obviously influential. It's material. It's just a matter of it's you know, not insider material. So it's tough. It's a tough job for the regulator to figure out how to fix this issue. But, I mean, there's definitely some companies getting rich off of issuing these short reports. Yeah, I agree. And, and the question is, um, well, the, the big issue is there, there are some good short researchers. Jim Chanos, right. uh, you know, Leff and Citron have decided to leave the game because of the Reddit crowd. Right. Uh, so, you know, short research is very valuable, but it, it shows how you really have to know your company. If you own a stock like this and the fundamentals are sound, yeah, I mean, could there be accounting scandals like there were with Enron? Sure. Uh, so you wouldn't poo-poo an Enron, but typically uh, the fundamentals will win out unless there's some serious uh, issue that's been uncovered. And in this case, it looks serious, but it wasn't. So, Mark, uh, looking ahead uh, to next year here, are there any, like, aside from some of the names we already discussed and Dennis talked about, you know, uh, buying some of the laggards for a potential January effect type rally, are there any any industries or sectors that you have your eye on next, call it next couple of weeks or a couple of months or, or the first the first head, the first quarter or so of 2022? There are. I think home builders are con- going to continue strong. The, the, de- the underlying demand is there. So the, um, the home bill XHB uh, is looking uh, like a buy to me. And then if you drill down the bullish stocks that are rated bullish in the power gauge rating uh, in the XHB stocks like um, DR Horton, some of the suppliers, um, Whirlpool, uh, and the smaller names in that group, uh, I think. And interestingly, Technoglass would be in that group uh, if it were traded there. Another uh, thing I'm looking at is infrastructure stocks that relate to home building as opposed to public work progress. So like who? Wire, Encore Cable. Uh, They- Tickers on those? W-I-R-E. Okay. They make the, um, that is Encore. They make very mundane stuff, but you need it in every house that you build. And also they service the commercial market. So I'm, I'm looking at stocks with really good earnings that'll continue to benefit from the trend in home building, which I think is really strong. I don't think that's going away. Hi, Mark, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Um, a few people, we've been asked like three days in a row now just about like Rocket, right? Well, we get asked every day about Rocket. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the housing market's on fire. What what is do you do you have a take on like the UWMCs and the rockets of the world and, and why they've underperformed so badly? I don't quite understand what Rocket's business model is. Uh, Dennis, you were pretty close to it when it went public. What what's the the unique selling proposition that make you want to own Rocket? 
Well, I mean, it's the it's the lower lower interest rates is really a driver here for a long time. And if we're going to a rising interest rate environment, I'm not sure that's as attractive of a stock right now. So the refinancing, right? So I mean, you know about this company too. I mean, obviously, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the idea is that the the idea that they put forth is that they're the most efficient, easiest way to do any sort of home financing via you know be it, be it a mortgage I mean, be it, the be huge it, boom be it, and the low interest refi, rates in the housing, they, they've benefited from that you, you could argue has the environment been any better for rkt and uwmc similar company and you know obviously now you're you know these stocks are weak because i don't think the environment is nearly uh, as as good as it was for these companies at least the environment that we're anticipating that we're going into so it's not surprising that both of these stocks really struggled well, when I just took a quick peek at the financials, they they are expected to earn two twenty nine, and the stock looks too cheap, uh, you know, because smart money is shorting it. So there's a big short position. I guess you've got a short sale, uh, short squeeze potential, and a, and a January effect bounce. But what I think what triggers it, Dennis? I I think you could have that potential for a few days, you know, rally again on the January effect on all of these stocks, but. Does that are these going to be your entire leaders for and one thing to say even about that January effect a lot of times that peters out you know second week like it, it really is the lift it seems like in the first week you know January you get a big lift four or five days yeah these cocks are all coming back but then what happens is there's so many bag holders that didn't sell last year and they start to come back on and start selling it's so difficult when stocks are in downtrends to just buck those trends and continue to go higher. So I'm not sure this is where I'm looking long term on these names. I mean, there's been so many people who've been calling for short squeeze. Let's squeeze rockets. I mean, this was the whole Reddit, you know, um, and, and obviously social media thing for a long time is, oh, high short interest stocks. You got to buy these because they're going to be a squeeze. And what ended up happening in the long run is a lot of these companies that had high short interest had high short interest for a reason. And that reason was that the stocks were, you know, the companies, you know, <clears throat> weren't as good as maybe a lot of these um people who are on social media were saying that they were. And I think Rocket is an excellent company. I think RKT has just struggled because uh, lately because the environment maybe was as good as it gets and the environment that they're going into isn't going to be probably as good. That's what I worry about with RKT. Yeah, I mean, I just, I always, company though. if I'm going to catch a javelin, I always look for catalysts. You know, why do, why do I want to put myself in harm's way? Is there a reason? And I'm not seeing it here other than, you know, maybe it's overvalued, undervalued. Some people catch falling knives. Mark prefers to catch javelins. Yeah, uh, Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. He's the creator of the Chaikin Money Flow, the Chaikin Power Gauge, the Chaikin Oscillator. Uh, Mark, uh, uh, with, yeah. With, with all that, how come I'm not called the Einstein of Wall Street? Yeah, it's a great the, the, These are the questions, Mark. Yeah, these, you know. These are the questions. Woe is me. Yeah. Hey guys, a, a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas to Dennis. Same uh, to you. you too. Spencer, Mark. By the way, you follow someone on um, Twitter who my son follows. You follow and that guy named Parker. You talking? You talking to me or him? Yeah, no, you. Me? I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it said uh, my son has a site called Beyond Wordplay. Uh, he's a, into words and games, and uh, it said. Eric Chaikin of Beyond Wordplay and Spencer Israel follow this guy named Parker. 
Who's Parker? I don't know. <laughs> well, you follow him, Spencer. I don't know. You don't know who you're you know following? Do you know how many people I follow? I'll tell you. I, I, I follow 25, uh, uh, 1,500 people. That's a lot oh, of people. Okay. You're supposed to know everybody you follow. Yeah, I, I follow, how many do I follow? About 1,000, and I know them all. Uh, I follow <laughs> I follow 20. So I follow 1,023, and I know all the people who I follow. There uh, you go. All right. You got to know who you follow. Guys, uh, have a very happy new year, and we'll see Thanks, you Mark. on the other side. Yeah, have a good one, Mark. Uh, yes, to answer your question, Red Room, uh, the chicken indicator is named as such because Mark made it. Mark, the chicken money Mark flow. has been around a long time in these markets, and Mark makes good calls. And, you know, and even, you know, the, the call in the last stock, what was it, Techno, the one that was yeah, beat up by the short seller? TGLS. Yeah. That's, so, that's you know, and obviously it's come right back significantly. I know I just got a message from my buddy Mike, and he was saying, I, I bought that on Mark's call on our show. Uh, fantastic job. I mean, this, I can remember when Mark made this call when the stock was down at $20 on our yeah. show. Saying, you know, he was buying, he won, he thought he should buy this dip, and now it's 27 here two weeks later. So, uh, great pickup, whoever bought that on Mark's All call. Right. Uh, some feedback from Mark from the chat. Mark needs to flare his hair. Mark is my favorite guest. Oh, to be uh, the Einstein of Wall Street, he's got to flare his hair because um, <laughs> we know. <laughs> vintage, vintage. We definitely did ask him about Doximity. Rewind the tape like 10 minutes. We asked him yeah, about we did. Doximity. All right. Yeah, and you know what? And I said the same thing. I think there's the potential for DOC as to rally in the first week of January from the January effect. So it's the kind of stock that I would like to own into January. I just don't want to be early. That's all. Yeah. You know, you're still five, six full days today and the next five days next week of December. You don't want to be early on this because there could still be a little bit of late and Johnny come lately tax loss sellers coming in. But I think once that abates, I think there could be a relief pop in some of these names, not investing in these long term, just looking for initial pop in early January in these names. So I've got I'm starting to write a list, you know, like you were Santa Claus, oh, right? Making a, list. making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's ready to rally on the first week of January. That's the goal here. So we're trying to build a little list of beaten down this would be added to my list docs of beaten down growth names that could potentially have a relief pop call it dead cap bounce call it whatever you want in early january um so it's on my list now because of you guys it's on my list all right before the end of this show i'm going to think of a rhyme for for that he's making a list checking the twice but i i will think of a line of a rhyme as really gonna to find out which stocks I, are nice I, I i would do it in the next 20 minutes i promise okay um hey um we noticed right before we went on today that the casino stocks randomly were trading higher this yeah. morning. i don't know if anyone saw that I, I i think i saw some positive chatter out of macau nothing too specific but lvs if you look at that is trading higher wind is trading higher two and a half percent mgm Where's my MGM? There's my MGM. Up kind of the same as wind. So um, this would fit into the reopening trade. I, you know, the cruise lines are also higher this morning. So yeah. it, it would fit with that theme. But I was surprised, particularly with the LVS, uh, LVS, because that's up 4, 4% this morning um, on nothing too specific. I think literally it was just some positive, like a positive commentary out of Macau is, I think, all all that it was but if you pull up a daily here I, I've, I've lost track of these a little bit i don't look at them super often reopening uh, stocks i mean these are definitions so the the three main plays i think for reopening is casinos obviously you know there's individual plays like live nation as well but you know you can just quickly think casinos airlines cruise lines those are three groups that you think are definitely reopening stocks i don't know how else you'd classify them the casinos are beaten down valuations are dirt cheap I mean, if you think you're going to have a reopening rally coming, 
if you think Omicron, we're going to get past this, we're all going to get it and then get back on with our own normal lives. If you believe that, I think you want to be long the casinos here. So I'm still long 10 gaming. Um, it's the only one I'm still long. Bag holding this. I'm not taking the tax loss on this one because for the simple reason, um, I think think the company can you know potentially still turn around so i'm not going to take a tax loss on something that i think could potentially still come back um it's showing some life would i be a buyer of pullbacks on pen gaming i might i might buy some <clears throat> you could look dkng and say well if sports come back strong dkng could be a buy down here too but again valuations aren't as cheap on these as they are on win las vegas sands even mgm so maybe a strike there first if you're a value guy hmm um okay yeah i have no comment on it i i think it's everything you said i agree with so i have nothing to add there um i wanted to note uh quickly about tesla yesterday we know this whole thing is stupid i, I actually regret talking about this weeks ago um but the whole the, the whole thing the story about elon musk selling shares is, is notable insofar as it, it is unusual because he hadn't sold tesla shares in like a decade or something like that but like that's basically it it was interesting i think i i i regret like not interesting anymore i but i also regret conflating that with the movements of the stock because like in hindsight it was just another noisy headline because like what happens uh, over the weekend right is he appears in a video and he says yeah i think i'm done selling stock uh, so, yeah, and then Tesla shares go higher. And then what happens yesterday is, oh, he sells a little bit more. And what happens? Oh, Tesla shares go higher. So it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it was interesting because it was rare and unusual, and that makes it news. But n- the majority I, of his selling looks like it's done, though. So yeah. I think investors are just saying that again. Like, I think it's the relief. You know, where we, the machine basically said the majority of his selling is done. Yes, you know, there were some late reports that he sold a little bit more. Um, but it sounds like the majority of his selling is done, and that's where people are saying, okay, here's the you know, green light to come back in and buy the Musk dip, call it the Musk dip, because we went from 1200 down to 900 And I think you are buying Tesla on pullbacks. I'm not putting Tesla in my long-term account again. People, when I say that, you know, it's for trades only because I, I've never understood the valuation of this company. So, again, in my long-term portfolio, I'm a value guy. But my short-term trading account, I trade anything. And I think on pullbacks, you're probably buying Tesla. Yeah, over a thousand now. I mean, I I was concerned a couple of days ago, but there's nothing like price to change sentiment, and you, you know we had that bounce, and there's probably no reason to be uh, bearish the stock above a thousand, right? I, I I would think. There's the yeah, I mean, I, the only thing is if you're coming in buying it now, just ride 120 points in two days. So you just ride 10, 12, 13 percent in two days. So that's chasing. So now I want to pull back to get into it. So again, I'm not buying rips, I'm buying dips. This is a rip. You have a two-day ripper on this. So it's not a candidate for me to even be looking at it from the long side here. Does it continue? It very well might. But I buy dips after the strong move. So if we were to pull back to, let's say, the 9.57 low from yesterday, well, then it gets interesting because then I got a level to lean on. But right now, if I come in as a swing trade and I buy it at $1,008, we well, got to lean on the low at 886. That's too far for me to lean. So again, you know, you can see how I consistently look at trades in the same way. First analyzing where am I getting out and then adding a target maybe from that. But this is the way I approach my swing trading. So, you know, when it's that far off the low from just two days ago, I've missed that trade now. So, yep. you know, I'll look elsewhere. 
All right. Uh, we will do some ticker time. We, we've got a few minutes. Uh, Peter Talkman will join us at 9, so we've got a few minutes until that's going to happen. People uh, are always I, asking me what I hold in my long-term account, and obviously I give you tidbits. Let me just bring up one of them. I'm not, I can't show it. Do you even know is the question? I don't even think Half the time, know. I don't know. I, these are stocks I've had some of these for decades in there. Yeah. I mean, on long-term, I try to do the Warren Buffett approach. Again, the trader in me causes me to trade my long-term portfolio sometimes. But there are literally, you know, sometimes a week or two that I don't even log into my long-term account because if I do, you know, if I do log into my account, long-term account, then I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was up this much in that. Like I remember, remember the, the I had a stock taken over it was a smaller one. I didn't even know it till two weeks later because it was a smaller company, didn't hit headlines. I was like, why is that stock up that much? And I was like, oh my gosh, it was taken over with some small cap value play that I had picked up somewhere. Um, so that's how often I log in. But if I'm looking, you know, at my top holding right now, my long-term portfolio, it is QQQ. That is my very top holding. It is 16% of my long-term account. The QQQ itself is now 16% of my long-term account. So, and then I look at my second top holding and it is Apple. It is 9.7% of my long-term account. So you can see I'm clearly heavily megatech. Even though I was trying to lighten up some of the megatech, I'm still so heavily megatech because that stuff has just continued to take over my portfolio as it's gone higher. My third highest holding is still MasterCard, and I've had that for like 13 years, and it's just grown and grown. We know at this point in time I've locked in my price for January. I do intend to sell some of my MasterCard shares. So, And I did that by doing a synthetic um, – I, I created a synthetic stock short. Uh, position to offset my long position to lock in my uh, price for January because I didn't want to pay the tax in 2021. That's my third largest holding. My fourth largest holding, I'm just going through these numbers again, smaller now, at 4.63% is Microsoft. Nucor, actually no, Nucor is ahead of it because Nucor has grown and it's now 4.74% of my long-term portfolio. So hmm. um, wow. Yeah, so you can see I've got Nucor and I've got a bunch of tech stuff. You got a lot of tech. Yeah. Merck, Merck is in there. It's All still right. a big chunk at 3.17%. AbbVie is in there. I've had AbbVie since, since birth. And why? how I joke over the last because I owned Abbott Labs. I got AbbVie from the spinoff some seven or eight years ago, and I've held it the whole time. So it's 3.67% of my long-term portfolio. And then you start getting lots of ones and twoers, you know, and these are smaller ones. I got Take Two um i've got pfizer i've got marvel technology which is a good one it's been really good for me i have l3 harris technologies lhx i bought that a long time ago my average cost base on basis on lhx is 28 dollars. the stock is 206 bucks so i'm not intending to sell that anytime soon um i've got some bmo shares because my wife worked there for a long time that's back in montreal and canada and I got some Biogen, so uh, that that's pretty much um, you know, and and, and there's still and I, I have another a long term account too, so I'd have to go to a second account um, just to you know, and I can do that as well. You guys are just curious what's in my long term portfolio. So that was one account. Um, another long term account I've got Enbridge, which is a big Canadian utility company, and a lot of these these aren't trades. A lot of these companies had for years in here. So I've got, I, I added Ballard Power and I shouldn't have. I wanted a little bit of growthy and I'm down on that one. It has been a good one. Um, Bluebird Bio, I have in a long-term account. It's been a terrible, it's been a worse stock. You get some randoms in here. Oh, you do. You do. <laughs> um, I've got 
Just go through CIBC, which is a big Canadian bank. Again, I'm Canadian. I added Deutsche Bank to my long-term portfolio <gasps> very Canadian? recently, like within the last month and a half. Oh, um, wow. I've added DB just to get some uh, exposure over, obviously, Europe. I've got I've got Hive blockchain in there, which obviously we know why I have Hive because we've had Frank Holmes on there. I'm a big believer in Frank. I did sell half of it when it got up and just got silly town. I sold half of it around I think the five dollar US equivalent. Wish it was sold at all because I could rebuy it all right now. It's basically back to where I bought it. But I sold half. I've Qualcomm. I've had that. I bought that right in March of 2020. It was one of the few stocks that I bought. Um, it's been really good. I've got Zynga. We know that I've got Zynga. I'm down in the Zynga. So there's a few stocks that I'm down in. Um, in the long-term account. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of giving you a glimpse, you know, of what I've got. Right. You can see it's fairly tech-heavy. Yeah. You know, it's fairly tech-heavy with a little bit. I added Coinbase recently, just a small half-size position in Coinbase, um, which isn't really my style, but it's not an expensive stock. It's just a question of is it as good as it gets. So I did add some coin, Coinbase recently, like I'm talking in the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I, oh, I can tell you where I bought it. I bought it at 256. So I bought it right in here. So, and I'm probably just looking at, you know, the support and I'm looking at, okay, well, crypto's for real. This is positioned well for that. So I did add some Coinbase, although I'm only at a half size position on that one because I'm not as convicted. And I got a bunch of ETFs. That's Spy. I got nice. Google. I got, you know, like um, Amazon. So there you go. That's pretty much the bulk of my long-term. Um, the last tech, tech heavy. Last week, I walked through my entire portfolio on Benzing Alive. If you're interested, I, I I will put the link to that in the chat if you want to uh, to watch that. But I've yeah, got... I mean, and this is stuff that I don't trade. This is stuff that you know I I will do a little bit of alloc. Like I, I probably you know on these long-term accounts, you make you know dozen trades a year. Maybe you do some different stuff, but not active at all. You know my. Me, my my main accounts, you know, I make hundreds of trades a day, you know, scalping, doing different arbitrage, relationship-based trades, which we've talked about on our educational webinars, completely different animal. I see my trading as my income, which is basically my only source of income, the majority of my income. And I see, you know, that as my long-term investing, which is trying to build my wealth. So I'm trying to buy good companies at reasonable prices, following the GARP approach, really. And Google, one of my biggest ones as well. Obviously... We'd be here for a week if Dennis were to list off every single stock he owns. So we're not. We're well, not, there's we're, one, two, three. We're not going to do got that. about five different accounts, like longer term. Yeah, we're not. So gonna. there's a bunch of them. You know, people say, "Why do you do that?" One is, it's it's a it's a little bit to do with um, you know, there, there, there's the insurance, right? You only insure it so uh, so much in a specific brokerage account. So I'm always I'm even you know in case wow. the world ended. Really. Oh, yeah, and, and you're only insured. I, no, I no, no, no. I know, I know that. I didn't real. I didn't think that that was a reason to. to it to, is. That's right. why you know, if you've got a significant amount of money, which I've okay. built some wealth over my life, then you want to, you know, not have it all in one brokerage, just in case that brokerage goes down. You're only insured right, up to a certain right. point. Fair enough. So you Fair know, enough. so I have a little bit of that reasoning behind it. But also, you know, I already say you want two accounts if you only have one, because one if one goes down, you really, especially your trading. You should always have two trading accounts because what if one platform goes down? You say, Robin, it's down. I can't get out of my stocks. Well, okay, I got another account. Yeah. So, you know, with a different brokerage. So you've got a backup plan for technical, um, for, for um, you know, technical difficulties. Yeah. All right. If you have any tickers for us, drop them in the chat. We'll take a look for the next few minutes here. Uh, who just tapped me on the shoulder? Whoa, Luke has a Benzinga Christmas sweater. 
You guys, you guys check, check out Luke's been thinking of Christmas. Get Sunday. Luke over here. Luke, you want to hop Luke. on the show for, for a couple? Or just say yeah, hi. Yeah, come on. Yeah, just, just say hi. Right Hot socks, Luke, get over here. Hot I haven't talked Luke to in Luke house. in a long time. Luke, what's up, I man? I only want to hop on if Dennis Dick is here. He's here. <laughs> what's up, Dennis? <laughs> what's going on, Luke? How are you, buddy? It's been Good. a while. I like the hat. Yeah, we're trying to be festive here. We're trying to be. I even put on a Snoop. I got a Snoop Christmas. I haven't even showed it yet. My wife made me that shirt, actually. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm a Snoop. I'm a huge Snoop fan. I've always loved Snoop. So my wife, we don't do Christmas gifts for each other, but she's like, oh, I made you that shirt. I was like, ah, that's pretty good. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, well, Dennis, Gus is doing Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl halftime. Is he? He is. No, really? Yes. yes, Holy uh, mackerel. That just made my whole day. Awesome. Is it it really? Yeah. I didn't know this. I listened to an interview on the radio this morning with him talking about it. Fantastic. Oh, that's a reason to watch the Super Bowl right there. Huge. Huge. That's huge. That'll be the highlight of the Super Bowl for me. Because I know the Lions ain't going to be there. No, no, not looking good. No, not not, not looking good. Not hey, looking wait, good for the Lions wait, this year. Oh, we between, win a couple games. Between Dennis and Luke, we got like two-thirds of the Lions fan base on the show right Let's now. Let's go. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> anyway. All right, Luke, thanks for stopping right. by. Thanks for having me, Spence. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Right, we got to yeah. get Luke on here more often. It's great yeah. to see you, buddy. All right, good to see you too. All right. Take care. All right, let's do some ticker time. Drop your tickers in the chat. We'll take a look. Let's start with okay, fine. Do you want to look at Boeing? We'll, we'll look at Boeing ambient and stuff. I'll do it for you. Um, how is Boeing doing today? It's up 1.6%. Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, Pope a daily. Dennis, thoughts on Boeing here? Um, reopening stock. Yeah. Is it a, a is it one of the names? It, it, I maybe on a pullback, maybe on a pullback. We just had a big run, so you're looking at it from 185 up to 202. Doing that, I'd have to give myself to 185. I don't want to give myself that much. Yeah. Get down the mid 190s on a pullback. You know, maybe we get another spooky scare or something. Omicron brings the reopening plays down. I would be buying that dip on any reopening stock at this point in time because I I'm of the belief that we're going to get past this virus. I think a lot of people are going to get it. We're going to probably get to herd immunity. And then we're going to be at a point where a lot of people, I believe, are not dying from this. And I think, um, you know, the reopening trade could actually go really well in 2022. So I do want to position myself in some reopening stocks, but they've had a three-day run. I'm going to wait for a little pullback. I think you'll get it. It seems like the market that always gives you a pullback. If they don't pull back, well, you missed it. You move on to another trade. You don't have to, you know, and, and people dwell on that. They're like, I can't believe I didn't. And this is what you, you know, just to go on a side note for just the yeah. next minute. It's yeah. a it's a mistake that newer traders make. They can't get past the fact that they missed this trade. And I'm, what I'm going to tell you today is there's always another trade. I miss trades every single day. You will always. And if you're doing this for a career, even if you're doing this on the side, you will always miss trades. You're not going to get them all. It's okay. If you missed it, you move on to the next trade because there's always another train at the station getting ready to move. But don't jump on the moving train because you think you missed it. Because just when you think you can get on that moving train, then it's, it's you know, and, and then it turns around and then the tank's on you and you're on the wrong yeah. side of the train. I, so I remember, don't chase. I remember years ago, someone at Benzinga was lamenting that she had sold her Bitcoin in order to buy a house. She had sold her Bitcoin at like, at like and this is when Bitcoin was at like, 50, it was at like 15,000. And she sold it at like 5,000. And she was like, so like despondent and i was like you'll never you'll never make it you, you, you that's no way to live that's no way to live Is can't continue way? to worry about your bad decisions i've made so many bad decisions 
I owned a Quiznos sub shop, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I made some bad decisions in my life. Yeah. So, I mean, you're always, if you're taking on risks, you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, and I think the majority of some of your most successful entrepreneurs have made a hell of a lot of bad mistakes through their careers, you know, whatever they were investing in. So you're never going to be 100% right. You don't even have to be right half the time if your winners are bigger than your losers. You just got to find, you know, um, eventually, you know, you're, you're where, you know, you've got some opportunities. But I mean, you're sitting there, you're dwelling on your mistakes. You're trying to be perfect all the time. There's absolutely yeah. no way. You've got to move on. You've got to get past those bad trades. You've got to get past the trades. And people struggle more, not so much even with their bad trades where they're losing money. They struggle with the fact that they missed out on that huge opportunity that the next guy made. And Twitter's the worst for this because they'll rub it in your face. You know, you look and you're ta- you go on your stock and everybody's making money on your stock that you had and you sold it, you know, for a 10% gain and it's up 100% a month later. And you're like, wow, I really screwed that up. You got to move on. You're never going to get the entire gain. You're never going to get it 100% right. All right, let's do a couple more real fast because oh, we can talk about this all day, but we got a few minutes left. Uh, we can look at Fastly. Dennis, does Fastly fit in, into your criteria of a beaten down growth name that you could yes. maybe take a flyer on for, for yes. January? Yeah, and rounding and looking nice technically too. 37.47 would be my stop out point here. Again, I'm still I'm a little bit spooked. That's why I haven't really put a lot of these positions on yet for January because I don't want to be early. I don't want to be another wave. You know, maybe we get a bad weekend with some news or something happens, you know, with Omicron or whatever. I don't want to be too early. So it's tricky. You know, we could start nibbling at these prices. Maybe, maybe that's the way to play it. Maybe nibble a little bit on some of these names that we've been talking about that could potentially have the January effect. And then, and remember, you know, you could position yourself awesomely. And then the January effect maybe doesn't happen. Maybe there's another headline that makes that not happen. So nothing's 100% guaranteed. But, you know, from, you know, other things being equal, its seasonality effects should help to lift these stocks in early January more often than not. And all we are is playing the percentages. So, yes, this would be, um, I'll write it down right now on my shopping list for a potential January relief pop. Fastly, DOCS were the two stocks I added to that list today. What else do you have on that list? Do you have it written down anywhere or is it all in your head? I feel um, like. Some of it, but I, I mean, you could just go all, all of those names, like the Kathy names to a certain extent. I mean, you could pay ARKK right at the top of it, but um, it's kind of rally. Do you want to, uh, in the casinos I would put in there, um, some of the retailers, you know, and here's an interesting one for you too. What about like a Macy's here? Because typically yeah. next week Those are um, is often, you know, um, you know, a retail stronger week as well for retailers because people are anticipating that, oh, Christmas went really well for these companies. So, um, you know, Macy's sets up not bad, too. And I would add that to the list as well. Not that there's a lot of tax loss selling. It maybe doesn't fit in that category because Macy's had a pretty good year. But I just think it fits into the reopening theme. So I wouldn't necessarily put that in the tax loss selling category where it's, you know, there's been tax loss selling, harvesting, holding this down. It's more a fact that Omicron brought this down. It hasn't rallied with some of the other ones. So I think the retailers are the forgotten reopening play here. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see like a Macy's, um, full disclosure, I have a small, small uh, position just from overnight Macy's, which isn't even, it's it's small. I didn't even realize I had it in there still. But um, right. anyways, so, yeah. so I think a stock like this though, setting up, like I don't have a swing trade on it. I just had an overnight trade on it. Um, so anyways, I don't like talking that stuff, but it's so small. It's, it's Mickey Mouse. I didn't even realize I had it, uh, but I have to disclose that I had it now. Um, I, I think a stock like this sets up well for maybe a reopening run if we're going to get a reopening. So I, I think you got to look at the retailers too. 
Uh, are you ready for my song? Yeah, are you gonna sing to me? Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll sing. It's it's very short, but I I thought I thought of it while you were while Mark was on or while you were on. I don't I don't remember anymore. Uh, but he's making a list. He's gonna buy stocks. He's looking at Robin Hood, Macy's, and Crocs. Dennis <laughs> Dick is coming <laughs> to buy. I don't know if he's looking at. I don't know if he's looking at Crocs, but it, it was a nice ride. I, I have Hood on that list too, so Hood is on that list. Right. I have not bought Hood yet. It is on that list for relief pop. And holy cow, Alan just dropped us. Alan Moore. Thank you, Alan Dude. Moore. Thank you very much. He's given us a hundred dollars for all the gold we've dropped this year. So I, I've dropped some gold. I've also dropped some lead to you guys too. So <laughs> we can't be right hundred percent of the time, but hopefully, you know, you win more than you lose and hopefully the show helps. Thank you very much for the hundred bucks. Thank you very much to our listeners who are excellent. The chat room. I learned so much from you guys. We get tra- great trading ideas from you guys. Um, again, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy everything. Well, Hanukkah's over, but, uh, but is I- Hanukkah. When does that end? It's been it's been over, man. Oh, it's over. Sorry, it's been over for like two weeks. I don't I know. know okay, well, anyway, so happy Hanukkah. As well. It's all right. All right. So Peter Talkman is supposed to be joining us now, and and it'll be the last uh, time. Uh, well, no, actually, it may not be the last time because uh, we are doing shows next week. I will be out next week though. So today is my last day uh, on here for for the year. I'll be on. I'll be doing live trading after this. I'll be doing binging a lot, but this will be my last pre market prep for the year. So Dennis. Uh, if I don't see you, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, next time we talk on the stream, it'll be 2022. Crazy. Well, who's doing the show with me next week? Well, Mission Joel will be here. And you're gone. Where I'm are you gone. going? I, I'm I'm going on a staycation. Oh, well, that's fun. Yeah, I'm going just nowhere. Staying at home and just vacationing. I'm staying at home, um, and I uh, had some PTO, and I said, all right, Wait to the last minute. Got to use it. So uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I like the staycation idea. Staycation. Maybe I should have a staycation good. one day. Yeah, I I have never done one before. Uh, so I'll let you know I've how it goes. Never done one either. Let me know how it goes. I, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. But uh, Dennis, uh, catch you later. Have a good one. Uh, I'm gonna hang out for a few more minutes and say if Peter does not join by like nine oh five, then I'm just gonna hop off and we'll go to live trading with Ryan, Dunade, and myself, and maybe. If if we're nice, a, a surprise appearance from from Mitch, but 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 can't promise that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I know. There's a lot of stickers we didn't get to in the chat. Uh, for whoever was asking about KTTA, uh, that news was out yesterday. I'm sorry, no, it wasn't. That was a different one. That news was out this morning. I apologize. What was the news on KTTA? It was um, no, no, I'm right. No, I'm not right. That was last week. What the heck, Spencer? Um. Now, the news was out on Tuesday, so why is the stock up? What the heck? I don't know what's going on here this morning, KTTA. I know there's something, but I don't know what, so I apologize. Um, okay, I do see Peter Tuckman here, the Einstein of Wall Street. Let's bring him on right now. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Spencer. How are you, buddy? Doing fantastic. How is your, how's your week going? So far, so good. You know what? It's a um, It's an okay week. You know, I think we've got so many weird moving parts. I mean, it's a little bit disconcerting that it feels like our lives really being sort of tossed upside down by, you know, we're, I think we're lucky that the variant is not as deadly as uh, the last one. But I still think that uh, we're going we're being tossed around and that's a little bit disappointing. Everything's been canceled. Right. Yeah. But oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely, especially where you are, I've been hearing a lot of about cancellations in in, in, the, in the New York New York area and Chicago too. So New York New York is in is in deep trouble relative to the spread transmissibility of this thing. But let's talk about markets. That's what we care about. That's what's important. And I've sort of been doing a little research on the old Santa Claus rally. Yeah, and the definition, you know, I was always thought it was like, you know, after like December 5th, coming into the end of the year, you know, that sort of lift uh, of the boat with the tides come up and stuff like that. And that's actually not what it is. It's literally defined by the last five trading days of the year, the market sort of rallying into it. So we've yet to see whether Santa Claus is coming to down. We have seen, you know, I often discuss this on this show, too, that the market can basically deal with one bit of news at a time. Right. Over the last two years, even though I know stimulus has been the biggest catalyst in the market going higher, you know, it's rare that even with sort of aggressive news and headlines about the virus and what it's gone, how it's dealt with our lives over the last year and a half, it's never really put a major cap in the market or a follow through on the sell side. And it seems after the last two days of trading, when the market was able to assimilate one thing at a time, look, we saw what happened on Thursday after Thanksgiving. That was kind of a, you know, a, a, a major knee jerk reaction to the first influx of this new virus. But since then, the down days have been sort of a a mixture of the virus plus the plus the taper plus the interest rates yep. plus, you know a lot of other plus just tech getting hurt plus the high flyers being sold and whatnot now the last two days we've seen a little bit of a lift right and uh you know this morning it seems like we have a little bit of a green day market feels fragile but you know my gut is that we will we'll get through this and look the time will tell whether santa claus is coming to town or not what what is the feel? I know you're not on. You're obviously not on the floor right now. But well, like, I have been and I will be. But for this moment, I didn't want to miss the show, so I'm still at home. Right. So, uh, what what is the sentiment like down there? Not so much for right now, but like you know, going into January here. What are the expectations? Or, but just the, what are the feelings? We've been talking throughout you know the last couple of days about maybe looking to buy some beaten down stocks, stocks that have been stocks that have had terrible years. Maybe buying those for kind of January effect. But uh, what is the general feeling about the overall market for for January, being that we are one percent off all time highs in the spy? You know, look, I, it's a fascinating market. Uh, I don't think, you know, we often talk about I've seen this movie before and I don't think I've ever seen this movie before, uh, at least in my memory, where you really see markets trading right off record highs yet. Some of the and there's an explanation for it, but I don't remember, you know, some of these saw look, we're seeing some of the great favorites of the last 18 months have gotten battered pretty heavily, whether it's the meme stocks, whether it's the high flyers, the techs, the stocks that were pandemic friendly, yep. you know been ruthlessly taken apart and and a number of other stocks right and so uh why is that let's kind of analyze what's going on here we saw i uh, we talked about it last week the uh you weren't on but with your partner and that was sort of a fun conversation just about the fact that the the high flyers there was so much profit in a lot of these high flyers that basically a lot of these funds that were just trying to get out of them, getting into cash, liquidating positions and whatnot, were kind of ruthless in their approach to just getting out of them. Or whether it was the momentum of everyone getting out of them once they sort of tipped the bucket, you know. I mean, to see the way the Pelotons have traded, the Babas have traded, you know, the when, when they don't like, look, let's be clear, if we analyze this last year, 
when they love a stock, whether it's because of hype, FOMO, headlines, or reality, they take them up with abandon, man, right? We've saw it with the market. We've saw it with individual names. There's no rationale. It is irrational exuberance when a stock goes from 147 to 547 or from 2 to 483 or like DWAC or CAR or any of these crazy names. When they're buying them, whether it's a short squeeze, whether it's the meme boys, whether it's hype, FOMO or whatnot, there's no end to the absolute breadth of these things on the way down. And so what we're seeing now is the breadth on the way down, on the way up. Now we're just seeing the breadth on the way down. When they want out, whether it's the, the, the everybody jumping on that board or guys getting out of big positions, you know, trying to preserve any kind of a profit they've seen in these names, they just get out. I remember back in the old days when, you know, you, you had taken a big position in the stock and it was time to get out. You know, you kind of worked the order. You know, you, you didn't want to you didn't want to affect the market too much. You take it down a quarter or a half and you were good with that, trying to unload some stock. Now, now you want people to know I'm selling. Exactly. Exactly. It's like I'm here. I'm getting out and I don't care about any of you. And I'm not going to let you know I'm doing it. You're going to know because the stock is down 40 percent. It's the same thing we're seeing with earnings, too. Yeah. You know, that's why I talk about Having an opinion in this market, the last 10 days, Spencer, have been some of the most vol. Look, I've seen bigger highs, bigger lows, but the volatility, the kangaroo-ness of the last 10 days has been exorbitant, right? From going down the dime, down 900, up 300, reversal of 1,000, up 1,500, la, 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 this story unfolds, you know, and looking at in individual stocks, right? Like the DocuSigns, the Pelotons, the Babas, the Affirms, yep. the UPSDs, whatever it is, you know? Having an opinion, and even into the earnings season that we just saw last year, we saw stocks that blew out earnings that posted and went down, you know, $50. That kind of reaction is unheard of historically. So my, my and I always say this with, with sheer and utter love for my fellow uh, traders, is that having an opinion in this market about the market or an individual stock. If you're a long-term investor, I would just like let your, let your uh, cards fly and, and roll out and go on vacation. But if you're trading this market, which is an, an extraordinary opportunity and a gift, right? You cannot have an opinion about this market because the last 10 days will have surely shaken out the, the most stalwart trader. That's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, Peter Tuckman uh, is the Einstein of Wall Street. Uh, I, I would uh, recommend everyone check out his course, the link to which is in the description, Wall Street Global Trading Academy.com. Um, Peter, any, any just final thoughts for us? Um, uh, I'm off next week. So this will be the last time you and I speak for the year. Any, any final thoughts for us as we head into a long weekend, which can always be interesting. Uh, of course, we're in a period, which is, uh, typically the, the quietest period of the year in terms of, uh, volume, uh, but that can have outsized effects on, on volatility. We know that, but any just final thoughts for us, uh, for like the rest of the year? Sure. Uh, you know, look, it's curious because for us, it's uh, the most busiest time. If okay. it wasn't, I would I would I would almost try and take a day off. But, you know, these look, you've got a lot of mutual funds and whatnot uh, closing out positions. You've got a lot of hedge funds closing out positions. You've got a lot of uh, uh, fear of redemption. So a lot of people going into cash. You've got so many moving parts coming into this. There is still the headwind that we're looking at, which we've sort of uh, digested a little bit about the aggressive taper and the interest rate raise. We're going to look at what inflation is going to look like coming into the next year. So there are those 
forward-looking people who are obviously positioning themselves. This is going to be a choppy week. We talked about it a month ago when I said smart people who have percentage gains in the year would be happily closing their positions out at the end of November, as many do, and not even return risk turning a winning year into a losing year. The last week should be interesting because there are moving parts. A three-day, four-day weekend here. We are clo- this. I, I, I don't think this has happened in a while where we actually are closed on that Christmas. We usually work half a day. So today is the last trading day before the Christmas holiday. So obviously you're going to see a weekend and a, uh, uh, a holiday uh, of media pumping us, whether how the sales went for Christmas, how the retailers did, how Omicron's affecting the reopen, the close down story. That's going to affect us coming into Monday. Then you have the end of the year uh, trade for the last week. Is Santa Claus coming to town? That will be something we'll find out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because we're going to trade through next week, I guess, all the way till Thursday night. So today and the next week of trading are the days where either Santa's coming or Santa's not. He knows if you've been naughty or nice, it's all good. But um, it's going to be a fascinating end to the year, as every single day has been over the last 10 days. The volatility has been wild. And I know there are guys out there trading this market. Investors are sort of wondering really what's going on, sort of a consolidation or reposturing of, of, you know what? The best thing I can tell you, Spencer, I don't know. That is a reasonable answer to the last five days of trading in 2021. I I don't know. We could be up a thou, down a thou. Santa Claus could show up. Ah, the Grinch could show up. I have no freaking idea. Good. I, I dig it. Peter Tuckman, a pleasure as always. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I'll talk to you again next year. Good luck, kid. Talk All right. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at Virginia.org. Uh, I, we got to we go to live training here. I will implore you all, if you can pl- uh, please take two seconds out of your time, out of your day, and take the uh, Benzinga YouTube 2022 Improvement Survey, the link to which is in the chat and in the description. We take your feedback seriously. What do you want to see from us uh, for next year? Tell us. We'll do our best to make it happen. Thanks to our guests today, Peter and Mark. Um, as always, the show is available as a podcast. Like us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, GeoCities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, TikTok. Uh, please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. I'm going to hop on over to live trading with Benzinga, Ryan, Janine, and myself. Catch you guys over there. Uh, let's go make some money. <laughs>